have a question I asked the people in the first service. We'll see how you do on this one. They did actually very well. How many of you have seen the movie The Bucket List? Oh, they did much better than you. But that's a movie that people that age, I think, are more likely to go see. Uh, don't tell them I said that. It's a story about two men that end up in a hospital together, both diagnosed with terminal cancer. One of them is the man that owns that whole hospital plus a bunch of others, and the other one is just a fellow from the neighborhood. One, the guy that's just a fellow from the neighborhood is played by Morgan Freeman, truly one of the great actors of our generation. And the other one's played by Jack Nicholson, probably the other great actor of that generation. Um, and one day, uh, Morgan Freeman's lying in bed, and he, he takes a piece of paper, and he, he wads it up and throws it at the trash can, misses it. And Jack Nicholson leans over to pick it up and, and un, you know, unstraightens the piece of paper out and looks at it, and on the top of it, it says, bucket list. And it's got a list of things on it. And Nicholson looks at him, and, at Morgan Freeman, and says, what's this? And Morgan Freeman, a little embarrassed that he found it, said, well, it's my bucket list. And he said, what's a bucket list? He said, well, it's a list of things I wanted to do before I die. Uh, and the long and the short of it is, is that because Nicholson is, is very wealthy, he's able to make all these things happen. And so the two of them, in their, the last month or year of months or years of their lives, spend it together doing, you know, accomplish, going through and accomplishing this bucket list. And uh, in the process, two very strange people become very good friends who would probably not otherwise have grown so close. Um, this, this past week, you received in the mail um, another letter with another heart card in it, which, which posed the question to you, what vision or hope do you have for Russ Church in the next one, two, three, five years? Uh, what would you like to see happen in the life of this church? And I hope you gave it some serious thought because essentially what, what we were asking you to do is to make a bucket list for this church. What are the things, you know, if, if you knew these were the only things we were going to be able to do, what are the ones you'd want us to do? But I want to have you think briefly this morning about another question closely related to that one. And that is this, what would you like to see happen in your own life in the next one or two or three or five years? In other words... In what ways do the dreams and hopes of your life as an individual coincide with the dreams and the hopes of the life of Rush Church as a community of faith? Where do these two dreams make contact? Where do they intersect? Where do they impact each other? And I was, as I was thinking about this, what prompted me to kind of pose those questions were three of my fa favorite passages in all of Scripture. The first passage is the, is the voice of God. The second passage is the voice of Paul. And the third passage is the voice of Christ. The first one from the Old Testament 
is Joel 2, 28, and I, this has always been one of my favorites. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And then we hear Paul speak these words in his letter to the church at Colossae in the third chapter, the first verse. Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. And finally, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 33. Desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given you as well. Your young men, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. In other words, all of us are going to be given visions of tomorrow, of God's tomorrow, not our tomorrow, God's tomorrow, the tomorrow that God wants for us as individuals and for us as God's church in this time and this place. Doesn't matter who we are, young or old, male or female, clergy or lay. God will place in our hearts those hopes and those dreams that God wants us to dedicate our lives to. Our lives as a church, our lives as individuals, and all the places that those two connect and comment on one another. Some can be pretty dramatic. Others may be quite simple in the eyes of some, mundane. But if it is God's vision, if it is God's dream, And it will not be simple and it will not be mundane because it will transform lives. Both our lives upon whom the dream is placed, but also in the lives of all the people who we touch with that dream. They too will be transformed. Sometimes though it's hard for us to get straight about our visions. Sometimes we get very distracted. We have trouble seeing them. Uh, And that's where I think Paul is useful in this verse in Colossians. Look at things that are above. Look at the things that are of God. Look at the things that we know in our hearts transform because they've transformed us. The love of other people, 
the nurture of other people, the multitude of ways in which God has reached out and touched our lives with God's grace doesn't happen out of the blue. It happens when a friend puts their arm around us when we're hurt. It it happens when we make a mistake and a loved one comes up to us and maybe not with these words, but still with this meaning tells us you're forgiven. We are changed. And we know what that's like. Or we wouldn't be sitting here this morning. That's what draws us here. What helps us get clear about the dreams and the visions that God is trying to place on our hearts is when we get rid of all the cultural clutter that's in our lives. When we forget about our wants and concentrate on our needs. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 6, desire first and foremost, that is desire before all else, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Because when you do that, you get everything else that matters. You concentrate on those first two, those become the desires of your heart then everything else that matters in this world becomes yours. That's just the way God works. Now that doesn't mean you're going to go home and you're going to find a bunch of electronics there that weren't there when you came to church this morning. It doesn't mean that your bank account is going to suddenly be dramatically... What it means, though, is that you're going to understand what's important in life. You're going to look around and you're going to think, hey, what's important in my life? Well, my kids are important in my life and how I live with them and the values I pass on to them. You're going to look at, at, the, at the person in your life that is the single most important person you know and you're going to understand that person means the world to me. And from that, you're going to remember, you're going to recall you're going to know that you mean the most in all the world to Jesus Christ. That's the gift that we get given. I don't know what your hopes and dreams are for Rush Church. I think I could sum up mine in just the, in, in a very simple term. My dream for, for Rush Church is that we become, that we, that we, become more than we already are, a church that is driven by mission, that understands first and foremost that God has put us here in this place to be in mission to others, not to take care of ourselves. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be nothing more than picking up a telephone and calling someone you saw at church. Or maybe it can be no more than just picking up a telephone and calling someone you haven't seen at church in a couple of weeks. And say, hey, I noticed you hadn't been there and I've missed you. You might save a soul that way. That's mission. Maybe it means for you packing up with the group that headed down to the Endicott area this past weekend just to spend three days down there helping folks that got flooded out last fall. 
just tear out the damage so that in the spring they can start again. Maybe it means being so profoundly moved by how much less 95% of the people in the world have than we do. That you find a way to reach out to those people. That you find a way to commit yourself to trying to make a difference. Even if it's just a tiny difference. A bunch of tiny differences can add up to a big difference. The lives of people that don't have enough to eat. In the lives of the people who cannot be sure the water they drink is safe. In the lives of people who don't own a change of clothes. In the lives of people that have never in their life slept under a solid roof. In the lives of people who have never experienced a single day when there was not violence around them. What is your dream for this church? What has God put on your heart as God's dream for this church and God's dream for you? In one of the devotions this week, Reflected on Paul's own battle with aligning his priorities with God's priorities for him. It's based on Paul's writing in Philippians 4. I just want to read part of it. Generosity derives from a profound reorientation in our thinking about how we find contentment in life. Paul writes, I have learned to be content with whatever I had or whatever I have, excuse me. And Paul was not a slacker. He didn't lack in initiative. He was industrious, he was competitive, and he was ambitious for the work of God. Paul realized how seductive our activity and our appetite for more could become. We begin to believe that happiness depends upon outward circumstances and material comforts rather than deriving from inner spiritual qualities, love. Peace, compassion, self-control, gentleness, prayerfulness. Possessing greater wealth does not mean that we experience contentedness. We can still feel panic and emptiness and striving and isolation. We feel needy and our appetites become insatiable. Surrounded by water, we are dying of thirst. Breaking the cycle of conditioned discontent requires courageous soul work. Abundant living derives from generative relationships, from mutual support, and from knowing how to love and be loved. Contentment arises from seeking that which satisfies. Over the last few weeks, we've asked you to think about what you love and value about this church. We've asked you to think about the people that you've met in this church that have made a transforming difference in your life. And this week we ask you to think about your best hopes and dreams for Rush Church. Next week, we will each have to make a critical decision about how we will express and grow in our generosity and support of that 
hope, and dream. When you receive this week in the mail your estimate of giving form, please be in prayer and seek God's direction for your experience of generosity toward the life and vision of God's ministry through this church. Amen.